everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. Just me and Steve here today <clears throat> in the uh, worship center as we get ready to look into the Word of God and worship the Lord together today. I'd encourage you, if you're watching and you know someone needs to be encouraged today and help from the Word of God, take time to share this broadcast with others on your pages, whichever way you might be watching, whether you're Facebook Live, YouTube Live, or any of our other viewing options. If you're having any trouble with Facebook or YouTube, whichever it might be, you can always go to uh, heflinbaptist.org. I'm good? Okay. And uh, at our website, there's a list of other viewing options that may be available to you, Roku and Apple and all that kind of good stuff. Under the sermon apps these days, it's okay, so look under there. Do keep in mind that everything that we have um, been recording since the beginning of the pandemic in mid-March is available on our Facebook page and our YouTube page. So if you've missed something, a weekly update, uh, a worship service, a Sunday school lesson, please feel free to go back to those pages and get caught up. We appreciate you doing that so much. I want to share a couple of things with you this morning to just kind of get us up to speed, up to date of where we are in our journey. And my, my, has this been some kind of journey? And it continues to be that. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you being online with us this morning for worship as we are preparing to worship together for our final time of online only. Do keep in mind that it will continue all of our services will continue to be streamed live online but lord willing our plan is to uh, return to in-person worship next sunday morning october 11th and i want to talk to you a little bit about that in a minute but i want to just kind of recap a couple of things that you may have missed from wednesday night because we had a technical difficulty and we had to switch over and try to redo so if you would just bear with me and be patient for just a few minutes, I feel it's important that I mention a couple of these things uh, to you as we prepare uh, to worship today. As I told you, uh, next Sunday, October 11th, back to in-person worship. Let me tell you what that's going to look like. It's going to look a little bit different than in the past because we're, we're ready to move forward. As I talked to you on Wednesday night, we've followed, we've been patient, we've been compliant, we've gone through all the different things, but also we realize that as a pastor, my responsibility, yes, it is for the protection of you physically, but it's to watch and care for your soul, and because of that, I realize that much of what we're going through uh, in this pandemic is affecting people, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, psychologically. And we have to care for those things, too. And with that being said, as we return to worship next week, there will still be two worship opportunities for you on Sunday morning. The time is going to be a little bit different. We'll get all that changed today on our Facebook page. It'll be changed on all of our, uh, our website, all of our communication apps. Our sign out front is going to reflect this. But worship time is beginning next Sunday are 9 a.m. and 10.30. When we began in-person worship after our initial shutdown, <clears throat> we 
did 8.30 and 10.30 because we were unsure of how much time would be needed to sanitize in between the services. Now we realize, and I tell you, our guys have done a phenomenal job. I cannot tell you how thankful I am for their just willingness to just do whatever it takes. And now they've worked it, and they've got the, you know, I call them the Ghostbuster packs, and they spray and sanitize all of our seating areas, all of our doorknobs, all of our switches, and all the areas that you might go into are sanitized before, between, and after each service. So we do know we have enough time, and maybe that would give you more time if you're wanting to come early, but maybe 8.30 might be stretching a little bit, 9 o'clock may be just perfect for you. That service also, I want to encourage you, if you feel as though you may be at an elevated risk uh, for contracting coronavirus, uh, that that may be a service you would like to attend. Uh, at 9 a.m., we will still have social distancing in place and all that kind of stuff. That's not going away anytime soon, but uh, the opportunity for you to return to in-person worship is very important. It's important for you spiritually, psychologically, it is, because God meant for us to be together. He created us for relationships, vertically with him, horizontally with each other. Are we going to have to be respectful of each other's space and things like that for the foreseeable future? Absolutely. I want you to know that it grieves my heart today to not be able to see you and also that when we worship, not be able to hug your neck and all that kind of stuff because that stuff matters to me and it matters to you, I'm sure. But at this time, we'll continue to respect each other's space, but we do need to gather for worship at of all possible. 10.30 service also will be available. Um, if you do not consider to be at high risk, that would be the service for you. But either one you come to, is going to be fine for you. I promise you that. We're going to do everything we can to protect you physically, but I believe we need to really focus on watching, caring, and feeding our souls. The Lord really spoke into my heart this week, said, Brent, I've called you to lead, feed, and intercede. I've called you to lead my people, feed from the word of God, intercede on their behalf, and then go do as I have led you to do. And I really, really don't want to, uh, the tail to be wagging the dog here. I want us to be certain that we're following God, but leading and blazing a trail and being faithful to that. Uh, for a month or so, we had to do whatever. School shut down. Businesses shut down. Everything except the essential things were open. But as time has gone on, we realize church is essential. It's so essential to your your life and it's very important and regardless of what the culture says regardless of what anybody else tells you it's very important to your spiritual development you don't go to church to be saved you don't go to church because you're a christian you go to church because you believe the word of god commands us to assemble and gather and even though we may have to do that a little bit differently right now we want to be faithful to stay the course so do remember that Moving forward next Sunday. Now, our nursery will be staffed in both services, 9 and 1030. It's been open throughout this time, but that was for families. Now it will be staffed. Should you need the nursery for your young children, please know there will be people there. All cleanliness standards will be followed. And also at the 1030 service, we'll be offering children's church. So do remember that. If you have young children that have missed children's church, I've had parents that had a text me said, you know, my so glad children's church will be starting again soon because 
my, my daughter, my son has missed it so much. And that is a testimony to those of you who are working with Children's Church that these young people love you and miss being with you. So next Sunday, 1030 service, Children's Church will be available. We'll be walking you through that through the week. I would encourage you to pay close attention throughout the week. Uh, we'll do some updates as things become uh, become evident that we need to do that. Wednesday night at 6.30, please uh, be with us for Wednesday Night Live. Our Sunday school classes will remain online for just a bit longer. I'm going to be working with Brother Robbie, talking to him this week. He's our Sunday school director, and we're going to be getting a plan together so that we can meet with all of our Sunday school leadership prior to rebooting Sunday school. I think that's very important that we all get on the same page and we not leave anybody kind of haphazard, and we wait for the right time. I've really asked the Lord to guide my steps and lead my heart to do things at the right time. Very important that we do that. A couple other quick things before we get into the Word today. Uh, the Operation Christmas Child is among, upon us. Uh, the boxes are in the foyer, already set up, and it's got everything on the inside you need with a little paper and Y'all know the drill. We've been doing the Operation Christmas Child for a long time. I'd encourage you, families, pick up boxes. Let your children pick up a box and fill those up with uh, stuff that we that is within the list. And then we'll have our day. We'll, meet, we'll be announcing next Sunday the day that they will be collected. And we'll do as we've done in the past. We will pray and pray for the young boy or girl that will receive this box. Also, Samaritan's Purse puts gospel tracts and gospel Bible study books in their language in those book in those boxes. So we're going to be doing that very soon. But pick up your boxes next week. Let's get them filled up and turned in so we can have a, a great year of giving again to Operation Christmas Child through Samaritan's Purse. It's a great, great ministry. Also, Sunday school books, if you haven't picked those up, they're available in the foyer. We'll have them in the Welcome Center, wherever we if you come in next week, say, hey. Haven't got my Sunday school book. Just let somebody know, one of our ushers, they'll be glad to get those for you. They're there for students, they're there for young adults, uh, regular adults, senior adults, large print, fine print. I mean, they, they, it's there for you, so don't forget that. And also next week, we should have our newest edition of the Thomas Nelson devotional. It's the fourth year that I've been able to be a part of this, and we do have, if you've asked from the past, we probably got a half a dozen the first year living in the light. We got a few boxes of Touched by the Truth and a few boxes of the Heart of Worship. And we'll have a whole bunch of boxes of the Spirit of God within you, the 2020 version. So 17, 18, 19, 20, uh, the Lord has given us the privilege to be a part of that. And let me remind you that 100% of what comes in, even the leftovers of the old ones, whatever comes in uh, through the sale of these books, is going next door to Hearts, who uh, has a cancer assistance fund for residents here in Cleveland County that are battling cancer that need assistance, whether that assistance be in the form of uh, transportation, whether it's in the form of um, groceries and meals, whether it's in the form of helping with utilities or things that they're not able to do simply because of being out of work due to the uh, cancer that they're battling, that fund goes directly to people right here in this county. And there are dozens of people in that program right now. I'm not sure of the count. I'll have to ask Robbie. 
But when you do pick these up next week, and I'd encourage you to do that. Man, if you own a business, I'd get a box and give them out to my customers. If I, uh, whatever it might be, I mean, just do that. If you've got, uh, if you do have friends and family, Christmas presents, all that kind of good stuff, pick them up. $15 each is how much they are, and 100% of that goes to Hearts Cancer Assistance Program. And you'll write your checks to Heflin Baptist Church. And Heflin Baptist Church will handle the accounting. The bill comes in, we'll pay the bill, and whatever's left will go directly to hearts. It is a great opportunity for you to invest in the life of someone in our community who desperately needs to see the love of Jesus and also to walk with God through 52 weeks of devotions next year and maybe give that gift at a birthday or an anniversary or Christmas so that others can walk through that with you. I'm telling you, it's not about me. It's all about him. I just can't believe that God would allow me to be a part of that. And God really led me and Angie to give that away. So we want to give all that away because um, we just believe that that's his will. And I appreciate you partnering with us in that, okay? Well, there's several other things we could talk about, but I don't want to bore you with all sorts of things like that. I just wanted to get some of the pertinent things before you. And I am really looking forward to returning in-person worship next week. And as I told you, moving forward, we do not anticipate that there'll be any more shutdown. If there is, if, if I'm sick, someone else will be here to preach. If, if our singers are unable to be here, others will be here to sing. We're, we're going to move forward. It's really time to take the ball run. And even though it may be difficult, even though it may be hard, I believe with all of my heart that God has a plan for it. As far as for you and your family, should you become sick, should you become symptomatic, should you be waiting on test results or test positive, I would encourage you to worship online. Online is still going to be available. If you're at elevated risk and you're not comfortable yet coming back into the worship center, please worship online. We love you. We care about you. And we want to make sure that we're ministering to you any way possible. So don't forget those things that are coming up. I'm looking so forward to that. I just believe with all of my heart that God has a real plan for all that we're going through. I want to call your attention to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 today. And Brother Steve's going to put the uh, outline up for you and we'll follow through together. Uh, and as we're doing that, I just wanted to share something with you that has always been special to me. Um, Years ago, when I was, man, many years ago when I was a high school athlete here in Cleveland County, I had a wonderful um, football coach and wrestling coach. Coach Gary Harper was very special to me. He still is to this day and always will be. It made a real imprint on my life. Not, I mean, really, really made a difference and really challenged me. Well, in the fall of 1987, in the dressing room one day, he had made photocopies of this little poem that's very familiar to most. I included it in the book I wrote, Born on Sunday Morning, and it's something I think really helps me. I leave it on my desk because I want to be reminded of what it means because in times like this, the devil would like to make you quit. But the title of this poem is simply, Don't Quit. Here's what it says. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when funds are low and debts are high, when you want to smile but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. 
And many a failure turns about when he might have won if he just stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with just one more blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you, will, and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. Well, I want to encourage you today to really take to heart just those words because Satan would really like to talk us into quitting right now, but what he doesn't realize is we've got too much behind us to let this world blind us. We're, we're too blessed to be depressed. We're too encouraged to be discouraged, and we've got to stay true to what God has called us to do even when it would be easier not to. Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 has a word for us today because if there was a church in the New Testament that embodied the principles that we really think would make, and what we know from the Word of God makes a great church, it'd be the church at Thessalonica. Uh, they weren't just a good church, they were a great church. They weren't just a church that prays. They were a praying church. They weren't just a church that went through the motions. Man, this was a church that was committed to the mission. And I believe we can learn much from this church today to help us going forward because God's burning some things in my heart for the next four or five weeks after starting next week when we meet together that I hope will be, I mean, not just that there will be transformational truth, that there will be a revolutionary revival movement among our church, even in the midst of pandemic. When the world's trying to spread us out, and I understand we have to do some of that for health, and I understand, and I would never make light of the seriousness of the situation, but that doesn't mean that our hearts still can't be knit together. I believe just as David and Jonathan had such a special relationship and their hearts were knit together and they loved each other as their own soul, I really believe that's the kind of relationship that God means for his children to have with one another. Notice with me what the Word of God says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and following. Here's what the Bible says. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which you heard from us you welcomed it not as a word from men but as it is in truth the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe wow verse 13 you can preach all day right there let's move on to verse 14 for you brethren became imitators of the churches of God which are in Christ in Judea in Christ Jesus for you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Judeans who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they do not please God and are contrary to all men. 
forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so also to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we want to come to you. Wow. Even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown or rejoicing? It is not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. For you are our glory and joy. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' sweet and holy name, may these words literally melt into our hearts and souls today. May they challenge us and transform us into who you have called us to be. And may the redeemed say so. May the church of the Lord Jesus Christ arise today. After we have bowed low in your presence, may we arise for your purpose. And may we fulfill your commission in our life. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This point I would normally say thank you and you may be seated, but I, maybe you already are. <laughs> Next week, we'll do, we're back to that. Hey, uh, let's look at what the Word says. You'll notice uh, from the outline Steve's put up, we're talking about persevering through persecution. Now, as I told you, the church at Thessalonica, it was a model church. I mean, it wasn't perfect. It had people in it. And just like our church and just like any local congregation, there are people in these churches which keeps them from being perfect because people are imperfect. So it wasn't a perfect church, but it certainly was a church that really kept the main thing the main thing. You know, too often in our churches today, we major on minors and, and minor on majors <laughs> instead of majoring on majors and minoring on minors. Sometimes we get really whipped up into a frenzy and worked up over things that have zero eternal value, things that will not matter five seconds from now, much less five seconds from when we die. But we worry so much about those things and are really ready to go into warfare over those things instead of the things that will matter for eternity. Well, as we look at this church, we realize some things. We're seeing that Paul really cared for these people. He really had a pastoral heart for this church. And he really commended them for their willingness to be faithful to the gospel, even in the midst of intense persecution. Persecution like we've never seen, but persecution like we could see in our lifetime. You see, the church at Thessalonica really knew what it meant to be persecuted, but <clears throat> in the midst of all that persecution, it's amazing that they found a tremendous amount of joy in their life. They found a tremendous amount of joy in serving the Lord regardless of what was going on around them. They were a church that modeled an attitude of faithfulness. They were one that served the Lord in much affliction. 
They were the ones, if you read in chapter 1, that sounded forth the word of God. They were the ones that were examples to all people in their region. They were the ones that everybody had heard about because of their faithfulness to just do what God said regardless of the cost. Well, even though we do face a variety of types of persecution as we serve the Lord in our world today, and that's only increased exponentially in my lifetime, and it's only increased even the more so in this past year, in these past six months. We're seeing a lot of attacks and persecution toward the church and toward the people of God. And we know that will continue until our Lord calls us home, so we must stay true. You see, this passage is one where we find some encouragement for this time. And here's what my heartbeat is for you to do today. is My heartbeat is to encourage you because there's so much else out there to discourage you. And now I'd be lying to you if I said my heart hasn't been discouraged over the past several months. It has. I'd be lying to you if I said there weren't some dark hours and some moments of tears and travail with the Lord. I'd be lying to you if I said that wasn't true because it is. There are many times that when, my, when anxiety would flood my soul and I'd have to really, really pray hard and really seek God's face. And I'd be lying to you if I said I feel like I won all those battles because many times my flesh is very weak. But the Spirit of God is very strong. So in order for us to persevere, let's just walk through the text. You see the outline. Walk through the text with me because I believe there's some encouraging things for you today. You may have clicked on this morning feeling low. You may have clicked on today saying, I don't know which way to turn. You may have clicked on today saying, I don't know what's next. And none of us do. But we do know that God's Word is true. His Word never fails and that He is always faithful. Notice how we persevere through times of persecution. The first thing you'll notice is in verse 13, we persevere because the Word of God dwells in us. Isn't that amazing? See, the church at Thessalonica had been founded on the Word of God, been founded on the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like this church. The same Word that brought salvation to them and brings salvation to the church today also enables us to live for Christ and endure suffering for His sake. It's that power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in the heart of every believer. It is the same spirit that breathed life into the church in the first century in the book of Acts chapter 2. And it is the same spirit that can breathe new life into the church today in the 21st century. See, Paul was thankful for the saints at Thessalonica because they had the right attitude toward the word of God. Now let's just stop part there for a minute. There are a lot of people in our culture, there are a lot of people in our country, and might I dare say, there are a lot of people in our churches that do not have the right attitude toward the Word of God. See, if you don't have the right attitude toward the Word of God, you'll not have the right attitude toward the church of God. You'll not have the right attitude toward the man of God. You'll not have the right attitude toward the Spirit of God. You'll not have the right attitude of anything dealing with God if you don't have the right attitude about the Word of God. And that is this, that its truth is timeless and eternal. It is literally the bread, God-breathed Word of God breathed into the hearts of holy men who penned this Word for you and I to have today. It is a God-breathed, inspired-from-heaven Word. And if we don't have that attitude toward the Word, then we can get a bad attitude toward all the things of God. 
Well, this is what allowed the church at Thessalonica to endure this time of suffering. And let me say this to you. Suffering does occur in this country. Suffering does occur all over our world. And great suffering could come to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lifetime. And with that being said, there's some things we're going to have to do, and they're right here in verse 13. There's three things that we learn from Thessalonica that's going to help us. If you can embody these things, brothers and sisters, it's going to help you. The first thing is, is that they esteemed the Word of God. They put the Word of God up here, and there was no other book, no other writing, no other publication under heaven that had near the value of the Word of God in their lives. Here's what the Word says. He says, you received the Word of God which you heard from us. Wow. See, they were careful to receive the Word as a Word from God and not from men. They knew that this word that they had received from Paul was not from Paul. It was what God had breathed through Paul into them. It was God's word through God's man, and they esteemed it as such. See, I believe we must never treat the Bible as just any other book because the Bible is different. The Bible is different in its origin. The Bible is different in its character. The Bible is different in its content. And the Bible is different in its cost. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear me today. The Bible would be like no other book that you will ever read. It is the only book that God ever wrote. It's different than anything else you'll ever find. See, you say, wait a minute, Rick, what do you mean the cost? You mean like the price I pay at the bookstore or the online or that sends it to me? No, no, listen to me. The great cost of you having a copy of the Word of God in your home, in your church, in your office, anywhere you might have a copy of the Word of God. Let me tell you that cost. It didn't just come at the expense of the writers who endured much, but it came at the expense of the blood of God's one and only Son. And that's the cost. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this because the Son of God, he, he became man so that the Word of God might be given to us. He left the glory of heaven, left all the robes of righteousness and took on the rags of, this, of humanity. And he became man and bled and died for our sins on the cross that we might have the Word of God today. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the living Word. The Bible is the written Word. But in the essence, they are the same. Both are bread, both are light, and both are truth. Think about that today. You see, the Holy Spirit gave birth to Jesus Christ through a holy woman. And he gave birth to the Bible through holy men of God, according to the Apostle Peter. See, Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God forever, and the Word of God will also live forever. How do we know that? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and following says this, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible, but through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. 
Because all flesh is grass, and the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. You say, wait a minute, what if they stacked up all the Bibles in the world and set them on fire? The word of God would still be supreme. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know today that the word of God will stand when nothing else will. Job himself said in Job 23, 12, he said, I have esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. He's saying this, I'd rather eat from the spiritual food of the word of God than I would to partake of physical food for my own body. He's saying what you do for my soul is more important than anything else under the sun. Kind of what led a man named George Beverly Shea, who you know from Billy Graham crusade. A man who turned down an opportunity to sing secular with a very popular group of his day because they wanted him to sing songs that dishonored his Lord and used language that was dishonoring to God. When he turned them down, they said, Yeah, I don't believe you know what the mistake you're making. You're making a terrible mistake. You'll make lots of money. You'll get to do lots of things. You'll have lots of fame and fortune. But he went back to his little humble apartment and he began to write the words of this song. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. <clears throat> I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain to be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Friend, I want you to know, personal revival will come and corporate revival will come when you and I get to the very point of our life that we say we'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Because most people whose names are on church rolls and who may even attend a church on a regular basis can't really say that with all their heart. Because their heart's divided over what they want of this world and what they want from God. It's the day that I believe that God is calling us to have a high esteem for the Word of God and say that we want Jesus more than anything this world affords today. Not only did they esteem the word, but notice what else they did. They experienced the word. Notice what the scripture said. You welcomed it. It, means it. it was at home with you. You welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. You see, the believers at Thessalonica did not only hear the word, they took it in their inner man and made it a part of their life. It changed who they were. You see, the Word of God today is preached to make an impression on your life. The Word of God today is being declared all across this world, all across the airways, all across from pulpits, all across this country and around the world today. It is being declared not because somebody just decided they want to stand up and give a speech, but no, they believe that this Word is life and this Word has the ability to change your life by making an impression that will last for all eternity. That's what it's meant to do. 
Many Christians today, they leave worship services. I mean, you may be watching online today, and you may be watching me, or some other preacher, you hear something you don't like, you just turn it off. But hear me. Many people today will leave worship services. They will partake in programs and activities that will erase the impression that the Word of God was meant to make on their life. I'll tell you something God's teaching me here. Everybody's got things you love. Everybody's got things you enjoy doing, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you know I, I encourage you to enjoy life to its fullest. But y'all know I'm not a big hunter. I don't go sit in the woods for hours and hours in tree stands. I can't be still that long. Y'all understand that. It's just not my thing. I have friends and family members that love it. They get, it, they get it encouragement from it. They get relaxation from it. And if you do, God bless you. And y'all know my thing. I like college football. But I'll tell you what God's teaching me this year. God's teaching me this, even it, this work and going without it. Even if it had been canceled, the Word of God would still be true. Even if it wasn't available, the Word of God would still be true. Nothing would diminish the influence and the impact of the Word of God. And what God is teaching me more and more is, listen, Brent, this Word is being preached, this Word is being taught, this Word is being read, this Word is being studied. It is being trumpeted all across this world today to make indelible impressions on the lives of people. And oh, help us today to be the kind of Christian that would not allow the things of this world to erase the imprint of the Word of God on our lives. God help. very easy to become stagnant in your spiritual journey with Jesus this is one of the things that grieves my spirit as I pray for our church as I pray for our church through all the things we've been through as I pray for my other pastor friends and their churches and all that they've been through my prayer is is that people would not become stagnant in their journey with Jesus and begin to slip and to slide but that you would understand the importance of experiencing the Word of God. How do we experience the Word? Well, we experience the Word by receiving it in our hearts, just like the Thessalonians, and meditating on it so it can be absorbed into our being and to the point that it affects and directs every aspect of your life. I'll never forget. I don't know about y'all, but y'all... Y'all ever made a decision without praying about it because you thought it was a too simple, small decision to trouble God with? <laughs> well, I've done that before. I remember I was going to purchase something one time, and I'd made a mistake before by purchasing something without talking to God about it because I thought it was just a, you know, menial thing of life. But I told the salesman, I said, I I'm going to have to talk to the Lord about that get back with you. <laughs> he looked at me like I was speaking Chinese. I mean, like, what's God got to do with it? He, he didn't come out and say those words, but I felt as though that was kind of what he meant. And here's my thing. He has everything to do with it. Uh, because, see, when he's directing my life and he is pointing the way and when he has affected every area of my being, he has everything to do 
with every decision I make. And when I make them without inviting him into the equation, chances are I'm going to make the wrong decision. Oh, but when I invite him into the equation, it seems as though he makes the steps right. They esteemed the word of God. They held it high. They experienced the word of God. They absorbed it into who they were. And then they employed the word of God. He said the word of God, which also works in you who believe. Work. It means it was alive and vibrant in their life. See, it's not enough to just esteem or experience the word. We must employ it into our lives and do as James said, to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. You may deceive others into thinking you are all that in a bag of chips. You might even get to the point of deceiving yourself into believing it. But can I tell you this? No one will deceive God. Never. He knows the truth about me. He knows the truth about you. He knows who we are when no one's around. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our appetite for temptation. He knows us. He created us. You can't hide it from him. So are you going to esteem the Word of God, experience the Word of God? And here's the question, will you employ the Word of God? See, we believe this. When we believe God's Word and obey it, He releases His power. Oh, we need power in the church today. I walked through here this morning, and there was nobody but me and Jesus. And I tell you what, I just had church by my, just me and Jesus, just had church. You said, wait, you got to get two or three. No, no, I'm going to tell you what. When you've been born again, when you've been blood-bought, when you are indwelled with the Holy Ghost of God, all it takes for you to worship Jesus is just get in the presence of Jesus. I began to sing, and I know y'all don't want me to do that now, and I'm not. I began to pray, and I began to call on God, and I said, listen, God. Oh, we need a fresh anointing. This preacher needs a fresh anointing. These people need a fresh anointing. This community needs a fresh anointing. This state needs a fresh anointing. This country needs a fresh anointing. This world needs a fresh anointing. Oh, God, let the anointing fall on your church today. So when we believe God's word and obey it, he releases his power that works in our lives to fulfill his purposes. Wow. That's really why we're here. We're really here for him and not us. We're not here for what we benefit or for what we profit. We are here to bring glory to the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. You see, the word of God within us is a great source in times of power, in times of testing, in times of suffering. Well, I don't know what I'd do without the word of God these past six and a half, seven months. I'm like you in January, February, and even the first week or so of March. I mean, we knew there was a virus out there, but we thought it was in China. Then it spread into Europe and saw the devastation in Italy and other European countries. Caught our attention when the Prime Minister of Britain had to be hospitalized. Just this week, our very own president is hospitalized, and 
I, I know there are people on the other side of the political fence that are saying awful things and I want you to know whether you agree with the president, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, I want you to know the donkey and the elephant will never change this country. Only the Lamb of God will do that. But I'm telling you, we ought to pray. We ought to ask God to, to heal his body, the first lady's body. Why? Because we are Christians and we care about people and people are more important than parties. Regardless of who's elected president on November the 3rd or whenever that time is announced, Jesus Christ will still be king, God will still be on the throne, and I will still be his child. <laughs> as it got into our country and has continued, <clears throat> it's tested us. As we went through the summer and we were we saw some surges and docks. And anyway, came time for school to start again. We were all nervous. And, and, you know, and that's just human nature. I don't care what anybody says. Things began to open. Then we began to not just hear about the numbers in the big cities, but the, it, it came to our county and our communities and our church and our home. It came to all of our places. And it got real. And it began to test us. Oh, that's why the Word of God is so special to me. I, I took my Tony Evans study Bible. If you're doing your Sunday school lessons right now, you know he's written those Sunday school lessons, the Ten Commandments. And I'd read every day, and I'd write in these notebooks. I got notebooks like this, and I've been writing in, and my leather-bound journal, and just things just writing through this thing, trying to get a handle on things. But I learned the word of God within us is that great source of power in times of testing and suffering. That's why we must obey his command to study the word when we face trials. Don't wait on somebody to study it for you. Don't wait on somebody to make it make sense to you. Get in the word of God. Let the word of God get in you. Let it change who you are from the inside out because it's his word in our heart. It is a wellspring of power to encourage us as we face opposition. I believe we all need encouraging today. I believe we all need help for the journey. Here's one of the greatest things we can do moving forward. Next Sunday, October 11th, should God let us live for another week? Oh, God, no. If you're healthy and well, I'd make a point to be in the house of God next week. Oh, sure, we're going to have these if you need these. You know, I had the hardest time figuring out whether the white went out or the blue. And you know what? I finally figured out. If you just look on the box, there's a picture. It shows you how to wear it, right? <coughs> And the blue goes out. So blue out, and I guess that's an extra layer of protection. I, I don't know. I really don't know. And to be honest, you don't either. And, and, and we're just learning what we're being told by the experts, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're learning. We don't all have it figured out. I don't even know if the experts have it all figured out. They'll tell you they're still learning. But it needs to be a new day. 
It needs to be a new day where we join our hearts together and say, Lord God, in the face of persecution, in the face of suffering, in the face of all that's going on around us, we will still lift high the Word of God, not just a copy of the Bible, but we will esteem it in our lives, we'll experience it in our lives, we will do all of these things, we will embody its truth, and we will take the Word of God to wherever you send us, to whatever you want us to do, and we will employ its truth in this world that the world will know whose side we're on. There'll be no doubt whose side we're on. What if I've been unfaithful, preacher? Is there any hope for me? Oh, yes. Friend, you know something about this preacher, and if you you don't know this, I, I, I don't know if you've been listening, there's two things you need to know about me is that I don't throw rocks at you, I only throw ropes to you. I don't want to hurt you. I want to help you. I don't want to push you further away. I want to help pull you to the cross. And you know that I love you and there ain't a thing you can do about it. Those are things I don't ever want you to forget. And because I love you, listen here, here's a good word. You say, preacher, my heart's been troubled. I've struggled. I've gotten discouraged. Things haven't went my way. Maybe you've had trouble at work. Maybe you've had trouble in your home. Maybe you've had trouble in the community. Maybe you're just not sure what's going on. There are people saying, I don't know, in this church, maybe, probably, but I've heard in other churches, other pastors have told me, there are people that are saying to their pastors and leaders, nobody's doing enough for me and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know what? That just, that just really burdens the heart of those who are watching and caring and praying for your soul. Maybe it's time we all drop the rocks. Maybe it's time we quit throwing rocks and all of us start throwing ropes. Man, I don't know if that's present here. I'm just talking about the body of Christ as a whole. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ during this pandemic have thrown a lot of rocks and very few ropes. Preacher, if I've been unfaithful, is there any hope for me? Yes, yes, yes. Because here's what the Word of God says. Paul, speaking to young Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, 12, and 13. He said, this is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Oh, did you hear that? If, if, if we died with him, that means at the cross... At the point of our salvation, when we died to ourselves, we were bought with a price. If we died with him, if we were crucified with Christ, we should also live with him. <laughs> he said, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. Oh, endure. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Wait a minute. If you, as his child, are faithless, it doesn't change his character just because you compromised yours. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself 
He cannot deny his character. He cannot deny any of those things about him. He cannot deny those he bought with the blood of his own dear son. How do we get past all this? How do we move forward when we've had 13 weeks, one whole quarter of our year has been online only? when everything since the middle of March has either been online or social distance. I'm not going to get through all this outline today, Steve. I'm sorry. Maybe we'll get part two later, but <laughs> how are we going to get through it? Stephen, can you pick me up down here? All right. I'm going to pretend like y'all here, all right? Because y'all know when I pull my stool up and I come here and I say, it's all gathering tight. See, we can't do that. We've got to gather in from a distance. Several years ago, I had a dear friend. His name is Charles. Charles is a lot older than me. He's old enough to be a grandparent almost to me. Probably so. Charles is an old preacher. When I met him, he'd been preaching 50 years. He didn't know he'd been around. And, and when I met him, I was at a very low point. Got me? Very low point. Spiritually, I was discouraged if not depressed. Mentally, I was no focus. And I was at a point that I felt like I was no good to God. But God put Charles in my life for a reason. I was serving on a staff Church in Cartersville, Georgia, Atco Baptist Church, some of the most dear people there. I was just a short season, less than 18 months with them, but God used that period to bridge my ministry in a way like I never thought. And God put Brother Charles, who was our senior adult pastor, in my life. And he came by and he did a lot of things. I mean, it was a larger church. We had uh, a lot of things going on. And he helped with a lot of pastoral hospitals and so there's no way to get to all of them. He's just really, really great guy. Had a heart for God and for Jesus. And God put him in my life at a time when I needed him worse than he ever knew. And here's what he did. He'd come by occasionally and he'd bring a copy of a book he had read. He'd say, Brother Brent, I read this book and when I was praying this morning, I thought about you and I brought you a copy. He brought me a book called Returning to Holiness, Gregory Frizzell. Oh, man. Got me. In that book, Gregory Frizzell taught me you can only be as filled with God as you're willing to give yourself. 
Then he brought me another book by an unknown author called The Kneeling Christian. And then he brought me a book called Why Revival Tarries from Leonard Ravenwood, written in 1955. And through the reading of those books and through the compassion and ministry of that man, God reignited my soul to be a shepherd of God's people. Brother Charles told me this as I was departing to go and even before I went to my next pastor, he said that. Friend, he said, God is preparing you for something bigger than you are. You know what I, I, I believe today as I prayed about that this morning? I thought about Brother Charles. And I believe that this church, I believe you need to look right here and hear me today. And if you know somebody that misses what I'm about to say, I want you to text them, inbox them, send a pigeon, Instagram, whatever. I mean, every member of Heflin Baptist Church needs to hear this. From day one, we have believed, I believed, and I've shared with you, and you've, you've embraced that God's called us to something bigger than we are. I just want to remind you today that that's still true. Because you know what Charles Ivey taught me? Charles Ivey taught me in his way what it meant to esteem the Word of God what it meant to experience the Word of God and what it meant to employ the Word of God. And I have never forgotten how God used an older, retired pastor to help mend the wounded heart of a broken preacher. And you know what he taught me? He taught me what Adrian Rogers believed. Adrian said, most men throw away broken things, but God rarely uses a man until he's first broken them. Oh, God had broken me in those days. And can I tell you, God has broken me since then. And can I tell you that God is breaking me fresh today? God's breaking me over these past six months. He's reminding me that I'm His. So beginning next week, I'm expecting a new day. I don't know if you're fired up about coming back, but I'm fired up about coming back and staying here. And I'm fired up not about coming in this building. I'm just fired up about being with the people of God so we can get back about the business in which God's called us. There are people to rescue. There are souls perishing right in our right in our front yards, backyards, side yards. There are people all across this country. Our church planning partners need us. We need them. I'm telling you, we need to get back about the Father's business. But don't forget that God is preparing all of us for something bigger than we ever thought possible. We're not turning back. January 1, we said no turning back. And today, on October the 4th, we're still not turning back. And we will not turn back until he takes us home. Pray with me.
Father, in the sweet name of Jesus. Oh God, I plead with you on behalf of the great people that make up this church family. Father, as a shepherd, my heart has grieved and grieved and grieved over these past months. It's grieved over the separation. It's grieved over the social distance. It's grieved over the sickness that has gripped so many. And God, it is continually grieving today for those same things. But God, today, I still believe that you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals. And just as you heal our physical sickness and have the ability to do so, God, we need a spiritual healing. We need a fresh anointing. We need to quit borrowing from the past and start investing in the future. God, you've called us to something bigger than us. You've called us to esteem your word. You've called us to experience your word. You've called us to employ your word. Now, God, bring us together again. And as Jesus prayed in John 17, he said, Lord, I pray that they will be one as you and I are one. May it be so. May you be glorified. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to give me just another 30 seconds and I'm done. This week, we'll be updating through the week. Pay close attention to your social media sites, especially on Wednesday. 6.30 be live. Other times, maybe take, maybe live, not sure, but just check those pages through the week for any pertinent information. Some of you are out of town on uh, fall break this week. Please be careful. Enjoy yourself. Get back in here next weekend and let's worship together, okay? Let's do that. Our, our children need us. Our students need us. Our family needs us. This community needs us. Let's get back in next weekend. Don't forget those things. You're giving this week. I pray you continue to be faithful. You can give online through our website or tithe.ly which you can search Heffern Baptist Church you can mail to P.O. Box 116 you can bring in person whichever is easiest for you but please continue to be faithful I am so thankful for your faithfulness thus far let's continue to be faithful because souls are counting on us okay the ministry is counting on you and me doing the right thing so let's continue to do that We've got much preparation coming, and we'll be working with Sunday school and children, student ministry leaders, stuff like that. We're going, to get, we're going to get some things back where they need to be. It's not going to be perfect. We're still going to have to deal with this stuff. But the mission is just too important now. Don't forget, God loves you. I love you. And there's not a thing under this sun you can do about it. And I sure hope you love me back that same way. Because when we love each other with that kind of unconditional love, I thought about my good buddy John. John had surgery this week. John's home now. John Hyde. He's home. He's, 
he's good. They made him go a long time without anything to eat. He didn't like that very much. I told him I was going to have to make a Shoney's or a Denny's run because John don't like to go without eating. But he had surgery this week. And as I prayed for John the other night, you know, I couldn't go in the hospital. I only let one family member with him. Everybody else had to wait outside. I said, God, help me love people the way John does. Because I believe John's love is the closest thing I've seen to Jesus in my lifetime. No matter what, he just opens his arms up. He says, hey, bud, I just want you to know today that's the kind of love I want to have. And that's the kind of love I have for you. I love you. Ain't a thing you do about it. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you this week online. If you need anything from the Lord, if you need any, if you have any questions about anything we've talked about, any questions about where we're going, send us an email, call me. It doesn't matter. I want to text. I want to help you because we are a family and we're moving forward. Take care. Have a great Sunday. I'll check in with you soon.